How's it going, guys? We're here with the 46th episode of Fear Frequency, and for our new listeners, it's a weekly horror podcast where we round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Fazard. And if you're a new listener, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. And remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show. And uh, we actually do have one new email to read this week. It's from Bailey Haynes, and uh, they say, Hey guys, I've been listening since July, and I caught up, and I love what you do in your podcast so much. Keep at it, and I hope to keep listening, even though you never know who might be listening. So thank you for that. Ah, spooky. <laughs> Thanks, Bailey. It was a really nice email. Uh, if everyone could go and rate the show, we would really appreciate it. Once again, on iTunes, emails are great, but if you're going to send in an email... Make sure you go review the show as well because that is like the most important thing as far as getting our show up on the new and noteworthy on iTunes goes. So if you could help us out, we'd really appreciate it if you left us an iTunes review, especially getting into the Halloween season because we're going to have some great stuff to talk about. So getting the show out there, awesome. Yeah, we definitely got but a this week, big stuff coming in early October. Yeah, the, we, we make the intro, we'll review a movie or two, and honestly, that's just basically to cover October, November, December, because <laughs> that's when things really kick up, uh, but we'll have some great stuff coming up, and this week we have a fun movie to talk about. So, we're coming at you live from the Abaddon Hotel, and we have new photos from Hellfest, Channel Zero News, and some surprising Freddy Krueger details to talk about. But before we get into that, Dr. Loomis is sending in a transmission from Haddonfield. It sounds like he's dying again all the way from halloween six so we got a halloween alert (laughs) um so the first thing on here is they released this trailer on the united united universal pictures uk page i don't know where united came from in my brain uh it's called the heritage trailer and it's basically it looks like it was created at an agency where they took footage they already had and kind of constructed um like a true crime documentary because that's the crux of the movie to let people know everything they need to know to go see the new Halloween. It's a clever way to like tell people exactly what happened uh, 40 years ago, get them refreshed and tell them why Michael Myers is back. Yeah. I thought this was kind of a smart cut. It's sort of interesting trailer. You don't really get any new information. It's mostly stuff that we've seen before with uh, like you said, a little bit of background on like basically the plot of Halloween one and a little bit more setup as to, you know, the documentarians coming in, we're seeing Michael Myers coming back, and then a few old scenes that we've seen in the first couple trailers. So it's just mostly a recut, but I thought this was a, a pretty smart way. Like, if I had to pick just one trailer to watch, it'd probably be this one. Yeah, because it doesn't show a lot of the actual movie it doesn't really spoil anything it just lets you know what's going on and i wish they released this one first because this would have been a good way to kick things off i think especially compared to the one they released which looks like it spoils a lot of stuff yeah um it it sets the stage well and it's it's kind of done in an interesting unusual way that i like i dig the um documentary and style of it yeah and then there was this other trailer that came out but it wasn't widely released i guess there's this theater chain in mexico called cinemex and they had one of those trailer you know when they do that thing before the trailers start where they'll have a trailer introduced by people involved with the movie yeah and then they'll play the trailer. they did that but it's like introduced by john carpenter and jamie lee curtis and they basically give the same rundown that this trailer does but the cool there's a little bit of new footage in it that features Lori being interviewed by the documentary crew uh, but they also show a brief glimpse of michael's dead eye which was pretty sweet 
and the makeup looked pretty cool uh, i didn't to me i haven't seen that trailer but that that does sound cool i like uh that little attention to detail with stuff like that with the eye that he got gouged out with the coat hanger uh that's just cool yeah like i will say it's much more fucked up than it would be from getting poked by a coat hanger <laughs> but it looks cool so who really cares right so next up on here is one of the coolest things that we have is uh john carpenter just released the first track from the movie so i guess this is the title theme of the new halloween and it's fittingly called the shape returns and it's it's a really good track i think it's a good mix of new and old it has a lot of good synth and piano and it's very brooding and just kind of like angry and brutal where the other one is kind of like mysterious i would say uh so i really like the new theme for halloween yeah i like it too i thought that it is cool that it incorporates kind of the main theme from the first one since there's obviously no way you can ignore that when you're trying to bring back halloween in, in a, such a huge way uh you know you got to hear that original yeah. uh the beat but um it, it does sound cool it's got a lot of extra you, you can tell like a lot of the his recent music where he's been doing those um specialty soundtracks where it's like songs from movies that he never got to make kind of influence this one because there's a lot more depth and kind of weird things going on in it that aren't in a lot of his older yeah. um tracks he was just doing basically with the movies like you can tell that he's been focusing a lot more on music lately and this was kind of more in depth than what he usually does i feel for movies yeah i also think that comes from him working with his son and daniel davies now instead of it just being him like they're able to fill it out a little bit more right which is cool like i really like that i i don't know so what i will say though is that the full soundtrack you can pre-order it on itunes now do not go look at it because it has spoilers in it the only reason i know that is because someone told me what the last track is called this one guy dude i wish i remembered his name and i like i had to tell him he he commented on two of my videos messaged me on my facebook page tweeted at me saying hey this is what the last track on the soundtrack is called do you think it's a spoiler for the end and i was like dude how many t- I've said in so many videos, I don't want to hear spoilers and I'm not going to, if you comment with a spoiler, I'm just going to immediately delete it off my channel. Like he was acting like he found a scoop, but it's like, there's a reason no one's talking about spoilers, dude. The movie's not even out. Right. So it's like, I, I hope it's a reference to another movie, which I think it is based on the fact that someone already spoiled the ending for me vaguely. Mm-hmm. Like I just read the beginning of the ending. I didn't have the entire thing spoiled, but it didn't seem like it was going the way that the final track on the iTunes score is like saying it will. So I really hope that this guy was wrong by telling me this because I don't know. Like I know I, I know that I invited this kind of by, you know, doing so many Halloween videos and becoming like a Halloween channel. Uh-huh. But it's just it's common sense to not spoil things in comment sections especially when i make a point to ask in the video and then i pin a comment that's like hey don't spoil anything because i'll immediately delete your comment and i don't want to read it right (laughs) it's so annoying yeah i haven't looked up the track list yet but yeah don't it seems like that's kind of a common theme in uh movie soundtracks where it's like you know original soundtracks where they title things based on events that are going on in the movie so you can kind of look back on things and remember oh yeah this is for this part and this is for this part so it doesn't yeah, shock me. Yeah we totally me. called it we were hoping remember we were hoping they wouldn't release the full track list until the movie was out and that they would just show off the title track yeah like there's a reason for that right it's just it's annoying <laughs> yeah uh, it's it, it technology is. <laughs> just sucks <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I I guess they tried to do that a little bit by having the 
soundtrack not release until the same day as the movie does, but that kind of gets defeated when it's posted on music distributing websites that show every single song's title and ruins it anyway, so... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the the problem with movies like this and their marketing, it kind of feels like it, it, they're like it's like you have this Black Hawk fighter jet, right? It's it, and at the beginning of its flight, it's like tightly packed. It's the, the peak of engineering. Like no spoilers are getting out. Everything is so carefully done. But then it feels like in the in the like few weeks leading up to a movie releasing, it feels like parts are just falling off as it's landing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like wobbly, and they're kind of holding it together. And you know they're gonna stick the landing probably, but like there's pieces of it falling off. Like you're you're getting weird spoilers coming out. Like there's a T-shirt that has a screen cap from the end of the movie. There's a new trailer because someone got nervous that the other ones aren't doing their job right. That has shots from the end of the movie you know it always feels like that especially with horror movies like the nun trailer they only released one trailer to their credit but it had a lot of stuff from the end of the movie in it which is like ugh, it's just annoying yeah which, that's true halloween's i i don't know i wish they didn't show this movie at so many festivals like i get i understand tiff because if you have the if tiff accepts your movie to be a midnight madness premiere like that makes your movie look elevated so that makes sense right Right, you kind of have but, to do it if they offer it. Yeah, but then Fantastic Fest and Beyond Fest and Salem, which is fine that they're showing it at Salem, like because we're going to that. <laughs> There's, it's it's showing so much before October nineteenth, and it's like, why did you pick October nineteenth if you're going to show it that many times before then? Honestly, they probably should have released it earlier in October, like October first or something. You know, like people have been waiting 40 years for this you know you made a good movie and you're showing it that many times you're just inviting spoilers to be dropped online yeah i mean irritating it's sort of a delicate balance in that way because it's obviously they want more people to see it so it gets good word of mouth and people are more and more hyped to go see it when it's out for everybody but if you show it too much then it obviously like you said invites a lot of uh, spoiler talk and discussion before people even get a chance to see the movie right because there's always that one guy who sees it and then he's like oh i don't i don't care if i piss a few people off if i can be the person who drops the big spoiler that ben tramer comes back and shoots michael myers in the dick so then he goes on every video and comments that you know right yeah and it's like come on dude <laughs> like just everyone hates that guy like if you're that kind of person don't be that kind of person like you're going to burn bridges and no one's going to want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but anyways, moving back from that Halloween tangent, uh, there's going to be listening parties for the actual soundtrack on the weekend of October 19th from 19th to the 21st. And they're kind of like countrywide, which is pretty cool. There's going to be giveaways there and um, they're going to be giving away vinyls and goodie bags and all this, all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's a few in Los Angeles. There's a couple but the closest one for you looks like it's Chicago. <laughs> yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, <laughs> Are you going to go? I don't know. M- maybe if I have nothing going on, I'll, I'll try to check it out. But that's... What, do you, what do you got going on? You don't do anything. <laughs> that's true. But you just it's... talk to me on Discord. <laughs> it's still a far drive. <laughs> Chicago's awesome, dude. If I was, if I still lived in Michigan, you know we'd fucking be there. Yeah, that's true. But that's kind of unfair because we could just stay at my girlfriend's house. <laughs> <laughs> so that would make, or we could stay with Craig. You could go stay with Craig. That's true. Craig listens. Yeah, we'll hey, see. Craig. We'll see what Craig's up to. Craig, invite George to stay here. Anyways, <laughs> this is kind of cool. Sacred Bones is like a cool record label that's capitalizing hardcore on uh, all this Halloween stuff, which makes me happy. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely 
it's cool to see that they are having legit listening parties and that the hype is so big and everyone is so excited about this movie it's just cool that there's like a general feel that this is going to be something special and not like the later sequels that kind of just put a poor taste in your mouth as they went on what is a listening party like do people just stand around and silently listen to a new vinyl i assume they are playing the the vinyl either (laughs) through, through the store speakers or maybe they have set up with like audio file level headphones you can sit back and listen to them or something in like a chair and <laughs> smoke a cigar yeah, or something i don't know it would be cool if they played it in like a bar and had an open bar or something and people could just stand around and talk to the halloween score that would Wouldn't be kind of cool sweet? yeah but i kind of want to go to one i'll probably go on the 20th because um i'm gonna see the movie opening night <laughs> the, yeah but I don't know. This, this is cool. This is a cool thing. You know what? I looked at the Sacred Bones site also. Speaking of them, you can get some really cool t-shirts from them that they haven't even announced. Like there's one that's a shooting range target with Michael Myers' mask on it. Wasn't that um, one of the limited edition vinyls or something that came with one of the early runs of some yeah. vinyl? It you was got a like poster that. of it. Yeah, yeah. That design. They have one. Uh, they have a shirt. With Michael Myers' new mask, which is a Heather Gray t-shirt, which looks awesome. It's mm-hmm. a pre-order. They have a Target Practice version. And some of their just Sacred Bones art is really cool. They have a lot of different merch, which is all, like, Satan-y and fucking awesome. I like that. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the devil. <laughs> but, uh... That's it for the Halloween alert this week, you guys. But before we get into segment one, George and I took a week off. I'm sure you noticed. We got a couple tweets about it. And the reason was I went. I had a last-minute four-day weekend last weekend, so I got to go back to Michigan for the weekend. And by the time I got back, I was just, like, super wiped out from making my Hereditary video and a bunch of Halloween videos. So we took the week off. We gave ourselves a little break. But... One of the things we did while I was in Michigan was we went back to Rotten Manor, which was awesome. So if you guys are new listeners, the first episode of our show was recorded in Michigan. I flew back uh, the first weekend of October, and George and I went to this haunted house in uh, Holly, Michigan called Rotten Manor, and we concluded that it was the best haunted house of all time. And I was going back to Michigan this weekend, and I just decided to look to see what haunted houses were open, and lo and behold, it was Rotten Manor's opening weekend. So we had to go. Yeah, just uh, coincidentally, it all kind of lined up just the perfect way. Uh, So just as a refresher, Rotten Manor is on a big piece of property in Michigan. And it's a haunted house that is built to be a haunted house. And that's all it is. So there's two things you can do. For 40 bucks, you can do both of them. The first one is the Rotten Manor Haunted House, and then there's a Haunted Forest Trail where you walk to different little haunted houses, and there's a haunted asylum in that. And I still unequivocally recommend doing both. <laughs> like, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, I'd say if you're there, you have to do both of them. I don't think there's any reason to do one without the other. Yeah, and it's kind of out of the way. And if you're in Michigan and you plan on going, definitely bring cash. Because they have an ATM set up, but it wasn't working that weekend. So we had to go up the road to this bar called Bottoms Up. And it it could use a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> to to put, it, put it lightly, yeah. And, yeah, that's kind of being kind about it. So... <laughs> Like, someone threw up in the urinal. <laughs> so, <laughs> but not at Rotten Manor, at the bar. No, 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 at the bar. Um, so, the actual manor, 
I think they added, they might have added on a little bit to it, but it's really cool. It kind of has a plot. It's about this family who became cannibals, and it's well acted. There's some actually pretty good scary actors in it. But the new thing they added, I think, that I didn't remember from last year that really freaked us both out was, well, there's two things. I'll, George, you can talk about the fog area, okay. and I'll talk about this one. There's a part where you're in pitch darkness after you go through these big metal tubes that are also only lit by strobe light. And you're going, it feels like you're going underground, but they're actually elevated. So you're just going to ground level from a higher floor, but it feels like you're going underground. And then there's a part where you're going back and forth zigzagging between walls that are getting thinner and pitch black. And if you're claustrophobic, it is terrifying like it was absolutely horrifying it was, it was really actually scary which was a really cool experience so uh but you can talk about the next part george that was actually terrifying <laughs> so one new section which we both feel had to be outdoors was you walk into a room that's purely fog it's all white fog you can't see anything you can't see your hand in front of your face you can't see anything and they just have people scream and direct you through screaming at you and it feels like you're outdoors because it was like a relatively cool night and it felt cold in the room and so you're just getting hearing all these disembodied voices guiding you through it and it's the weird thing is how do they see and you can't we were trying to figure this out the entire time and i still don't think we come up with a concrete answer just yet like you could hold your hand in like an inch from your face like a nose length from your face and you can't see it but then you would see shadows coming up to you and they'd whisper in your ear like this way this way it was like it was creepy as fuck man like (laughs) oh my god it was awesome it's just it's there's people like we watched haunters art of the scare yeah and people a lot of those haunted houses relied on people shoving you and throwing you down and like degrading you to be scary but this this haunted house puts you in genuinely scary experiences like being pushed between two walls or crawling down pipes full of dirt that are dripping water on your head while you're only illuminated by a strobe light like that makes you uncomfortable and t- scared but without degrading you, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not like shock value. And that fog room was scary because you could be picked off at any angle. Like it felt like I was walking through that part in the lost world when you're, when they're in the tall grass and all the raptors are killing everyone. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's, if, if someone wanted to kill you in there, what, what could you do? You know, you couldn't do anything. Oh, and speaking but, of someone trying to kill us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, wait, wait, let's, let's get into the next part and then we'll get to that. Okay. So all right. the, I like the haunted trail more than the haunted house because as good as the haunted house is walking through the woods of Michigan where there's fog rolling through the trees and you don't, you can just barely see off the path and anyone could come out of the cornfield or the trees behind you, which actually happens multiple times in this haunted trail. Like people, you'll be looking, you'll be looking at trees and someone dressed in all black will just come out of them and scare the shit out of you. And they have... Wait, what? Or an actor in full costume will just be standing off in the distance and yeah. just kind of sit and stare at you for a while while you're walking by and you're like, well, is he going to come after me? Is he not yeah. going to come after me? And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So it's really, it's up to how they're how they're feeling at the moment. There was one guy uh, dressed up as the um, Mr. Wilkins, I think his name is, from Trick or Treat. Once he has his vampire costume, when he's walking around at the parade downtown, some guy had that exact costume and he was walking behind us for most of it 
and he would <laughs> go into the trees and then come out with his cape and he was actually pretty creepy but the way this is set up is there's a bunch of mini haunts that you walk through on a trail so the first one is a bayou shack that's on a bunch of springs to make it feel like you're on the bayou <laughs> and it's right it's a very rickety footing and it feels like unstable as you're walking through it so that's cool and then you make your way down the trail to a haunted asylum which it's a big facade of an asylum but then you go into the crypt on the left which is a really cool way to show it make it look much bigger than it is but you, mm-hmm. th- that that one's cool because you're crawling around it's all it's like an asylum with patients and everything but somehow towards the middle slash end of it we went out the wrong door and came out the back but one of the patients quote unquote followed us out and this guy man he was like Oscar worthy. He was like, do you ever just feel like you're going the wrong way? You ever feel that? Like you're going the wrong way? And he kept like shaking and like saying that. He's like, yeah, I just feel like I'm not going the right way. And then he he was hurting us towards this, around this barn that kind of looked like the right way to go. And then we got there and he came really close to us. He's like, yeah, I still feel like I'm going the wrong way. So he goes behind us and we turn around. And we're, we're blocked off. This is a sort of dead end. And then this clown who just looked a little too good. Like his makeup was a little too good. He's a big, bigger guy dressed in a really good clown costume. He comes and blocks our way. And he is holding an actual axe. Which, like that was terrifying, right? Like I freaked out. Yeah, that guy was genuinely really creepy. And, and we'd seen him before yeah. walking around oh earlier. God. So that guy was uh, d- definitely... A, a pretty scary attraction yeah and so we we kind of like just skirt by him because we're all scared it's me george and tim who's a friend of the show he's been on here before if you guys haven't listened to our meg episode and you want to get to know tim go listen to that but um so we're, we're walking back and the guy was like i just need to get out of here he's like i need to go and then he picks up a fire pit like a metal fire pit and throws it <laughs> close to me and tim and it, it cracks in half so there's two circular pieces that are rolling around and they almost hit me and then he starts picking up boards and throwing them so at that point we're like we went the wrong way this person is not an actor and a mental <laughs> mental patient is gonna kill us like we were all pretty scared for two seconds uh, i was at yeah. least i know tim was yeah i i definitely didn't feel comfortable i thought there was something a little off going on there but yeah uh, so (laughs) that's like one of the coolest things about this haunted house like it's a family thing and we went off the path like we did something wrong and the actors could have easily just been like oh you're off the path go back inside but they created like an organic experience for us that was genuinely scary and then they just let they let us back inside and we finished out the haunted house which was just it's a level of quality and uh spontaneity i guess that you don't get anywhere else like especially erebus which is the other big haunted attraction in michigan we've gone to that one eight times and all eight times it's exactly the same and that's not to say it's bad it's just you get used to it but this one had like i don't know it had emergent experiences in it that you just really couldn't get anywhere else and everyone's really nice but uh do you want to talk about the freak show (laughs) oh yeah so uh this year they for the first time that they've been open decided to have a freak show on site so the freak show was five bucks and it started at 11 i think and so we had all finished the haunt and then we had like 15 minutes we got it at like quarter after 10 or quarter to 11 and we were like well it's five bucks for the freak show 
might as well at least check it out and see what it's all about. So we went up the street to the bar to get more cash and had a beer there and came back. And the freak show, we kept asking everyone who worked there, what's what's the deal with the freak show? Is it worth five bucks? Is it cool? What, what do they do? And no one there had any idea what the freak show was. What, yeah. <laughs> like what no it entailed. Did. Like, uh, so we were like, whatever, it's five bucks. Who cares? So we ended up going in there and it's a very... Uh, ho- it feels uh, amateurish, homegrown, up, homegrown, and grassroots. so we saw very grassroots. Um, we saw a girl spit fire and a guy spit fire, which was cool. Laying a bed of nails, light herself on fire, um, and and just a few other weird little freak show things. It, it was a, really a strange show, but I, I think it was probably worth the five bucks to me at least. Oh, yeah, dude. Getting to see one person spitfire made it worth it. Like, no <laughs> question. It was awesome. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's just cool that they have little, you know, local stuff like that that they add to it, and they're not afraid to change it up or add a freak show or, you know, they're, it definitely is a cool unique uh haunt experience that i i love it and i i'm i was very happy to go back for a second year and see how much it changed since we went the first time yeah like it's it's at the same level of something like halloween horror nights like one of those mazes but you have way less people and they do a really good job of making sure you're with your group and sometimes you might butt up with the other people but that's just because you can't really control how slow some people are like we got kind of screwed that the people in front of us just were adamant on walking at one step per hour. But usually, like last year, we went through just fine. And it's it's just a really quality experience all around. And I can't recommend it enough. Eventually, they did separate us. There was that one point in the, yeah. uh, the like, <laughs> fun. gas barrel room where they really made us wait so that we wouldn't be catching up with anyone and then we didn't catch up with anyone from that point on so that was good yeah but i i I 100 recommend it i'd say uh it's worth the 40 bucks to do that and if you have time i'd say also go see the freak show yeah i agree so it's in holly michigan it's at like one three one two four three five dixie highway i think or one three two four five or something you can look it up you have to look it up on their website because it's not on google maps for some reason so you just have to find it but it's awesome it's worth the effort we love them. I, I think this is becoming an annual thing. So, uh, Yeah, I'd be happy to go back for a third year. So let's get into the news, George. The first thing on here is that we finally got the trailer for the fourth season of Channel Zero, which is weird because it's the second season we're getting this year because uh, the last one, um, what was that called? Why am I blanking on that? Butcher's Block. Butcher's Block? Yeah, they came out earlier this year, but it was really good. Uh, this one premieres on October 26th, which... This is not a great date now that I realize that because it's going up against uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. So that's annoying. But uh, it stars Barbara Crampton, Brandon Scott, Maria Sten, Steven Robertson, and Steven Weber. And it looks like... um, Well, shit, hang on. And it's based on the short story Hidden Door. And it follows newlyweds Jillian and Tom Hodgson, who have each brought secrets into their marriage. When they discover a strange door in the basement, those secrets start to threaten their relationship and their lives. And the cool thing is Barbara (laughs) Crampton's in it. (laughs) She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see someone with, you know, such a decorated horror background come into a show like this. And uh, it's just cool to see someone with that kind of pedigree kind of 
go into this show, which people weren't even sure what it was going to be like, you know, a creepypasta show. Is it going to be any good? Is it going to have a budget? Is it going to be scary? And it's consistently delivered as one of the best horror shows on TV, like straight horror easily without any question. Yeah. And I just, I don't know why I just sort of have a feeling that if this one doesn't get huge viewership, it's going to be the last season because sci-fi bought the seasons in batches. I know like they renewed it for a second season, but then during the second season, I think they renewed it for three and four. So the fact that it's cu- it's the second season coming out this year makes me think yeah. that they're like, we want to get this contract done because I know it's always struggled with viewership, which is insane because American Horror Story, which is pretty bad, like people like to torture themselves by watching it. They're like, well, I've, t- I've been on this ride this long. I got to watch through this insane garbage fest to get to the <laughs> end. It's like the melodrama. It's like if you take American Horror Story make it six episodes craft an actually compelling story that relies on zero melodrama and is awesome like that's what channel zero is and it's it's a shame and like a crime that doesn't get more viewers yeah i I don't know if they recently partnered with shutter also i know that at least the first season yeah maybe the first two seasons are up there now available for streaming i don't know if that will influence anything if that makes it if those numbers, you know, are making any kind of difference for decision-wise of keeping the show around, or I don't know if Shutter has the kind of budget to pick it up, like a say a Netflix or a Hulu would, if Sci-Fi drops it. I feel like I feel like AMC, after how Joe Bob went, is like, hey, here's some, like this is obviously a thing people care about and will subscribe to, so let's make sure they actually stay subscribed. I feel like they, I feel like Shutter could produce another season of Channel Zero. And, do a good and I've job seen more talk about Channel Zero now that it's on Shutter than I've seen about it since it's been on Sci-Fi. I've seen way more word of mouth spreading about this show. So I think Shutter is definitely the right platform to put this out on, and it, it just streamlines it for the perfect audience. And it seems like a lot of people do like it once they give it a shot. Yeah, I agree. So. Uh, definitely check that show out. You can watch the first two seasons on Shutter. You don't have to watch it though because it's an anthology like you can come in wherever you want but i recommend highly season two no end house it is very good that is a great season um so next up on here we have some new set photos from hellfest this movie dude is just dripping in final destination (laughs) doesn't it feel that way yeah (laughs) like uh i heard it's really good though the reviews have kind of come out uh from there was a press junket last week at Six Flags that people went to and interviewed the cast and everything. And I guess there's some good gore. It's a good story. The characters are actually kind of compelling. And it's just overall a whole lot of fun, which is exactly what we wanted from this movie, I think. Yeah, uh, since I saw the first trailer, I thought that the plot of it is great. I think that idea of being, you know, going to a festival for horror-themed events and haunted houses and then having a real serial killer there is a smart plot that is it seems like it'd be something really easy to do that would be overdone at this point but no one's really yeah done it so it has a lot of room to prove itself as like hey we can do it first and do it really well and it's got a face off against Bloodfest, which is an identical <laughs> movie that just came out by total happenstance. You know, I feel like this has the bigger budget. This is getting a theatrical yeah. release, so I feel like uh, Hellfest might win on this one. But these um, Hellfest versus Bloodfest is the 
uh, a bug's life versus ants <laughs> of the, our generation. <laughs> but uh, these early screenshots look really cool. Um, it looks definitely like there's a lot of money being put into props and the design of everything. Like it looks like a legit carnival or you know event that we might go to if it was you know like if it was a oh, real thing. I would thing. so go. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like, if Cedar Point did this, oh, it'd be hard not to fly back to Ohio for that, my friend. Yeah, I don't know. It looks really cool to me, and I'm definitely really stoked for it. So next up on here, Lionsgate vows to dominate the horror scene going forward, as they once did, reports bloody disgusting. So the vice chairman at Lionsgate uh, was at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia conference and he said i'm gonna read it in the way that i think he should be saying it just so you guys know i'm inflecting he's like we used to own horror we're gonna own it again i feel like that's how he's talking about it like he just forgot and then he was like shit we used to own horror we had saw saw two saw three saw four saw five saw six i mean honestly though they used to have the saw movies that would come out every halloween and they had a few other decent, like, you you know, every time they had the Final Destination movies, I think. I mean, yeah. it, it was like every time you saw a big budget horror movie, usually it was a Lionsgate produced thing. Now it's all Blumhouse more so than anything else. Um, He's like, we got that China money, baby. We got to <laughs> spend it. Uh, he, someone probably just got dominated for allowing them to lose the rights to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I feel like there's a new boss in charge or something. Yeah, and he's like, hey, this was our bread and butter for a long time. We should probably come back to that. <laughs> it's like, yikes, someone got fired. <laughs> but, I mean, it looks like they have a couple other movies coming out. They have uh, Hellfest, obviously, we just talked about. Um, Cobweb, The Bride, and they have a, apparently a Hellbo- the new Hellboy with um, the guy from Stranger Things coming out, too. David Harbour. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean... It seems like at least they have a decent amount of things slated. I don't know if they'll be any good. Yeah. I don't think it's possible to take the, you know, reins away from Blumhouse at this point. I think that they're definitely the new new kids on the block, and it's going to be really hard to take anything away from them. So Right. Once Blumhouse stops being a producer and starts being a distributor as well, because they are already with TV. Like, they have their own studios. That's where they made Sharp Objects. Yeah. But once they start making their own TV or movies, I feel like everyone else is fucked. Yeah, it's but um, it's going to be tough. If they can find enough change in the couch, they'll make another Saw, probably. <laughs> I mean, the last couple were pretty laughable, so... <laughs> yeah, Jigsaw was bad, dude. Yeah, I mean, it seems like... I mean, Jigsaw was fine. Jigsaw was inoffensive. Yeah, it was not a good return to form or by or anything. Like, it felt like just saw. It definitely didn't get people excited about this the franchise again. You know, like people didn't see Jigsaw and they were like, "Man, I'd love to see the Saw movies that come back every year again." They were just kind of like, "Eh, that sure <laughs> that sure was a was an old Saw movie." I mean, I don't know if it's just people's tastes have changed or what, but I I think if they want to become the the take back horror and be the big big kids on the block they really need to step it up and do some huge huge movies i agree so i'll let you do the next one because this is your boy yeah so this really came out of nowhere robert england is coming back as freddy krueger in the goldbergs he's going to be in an episode titled nightmare on elk avenue 
and uh, it's airing in October, and it's about the show's teenage protagonist, Adam, seeing A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I don't know, I think this is, it's definitely cool to see Robert England come back in the makeup, and he, yeah, I, I agree. he still looks pretty good. I mean, he still looks like uh, that's kind of the benefit of being uh, Freddy Krueger. You can put a lot of makeup on and kind of cover up uh, age, but... I don't know, I think he looks he still looks pretty good in the in the makeup and it's cool to see him come back and reprise the role after all these years. I agree. They released some cool promo shots with the mom of the show and I did some research into it. It looks like it's a sitcom made by a guy named Goldberg. I forgot his first name. And he cast a young version of himself in the show and I guess it's like kind of loosely based on his life, but it takes place in the 80s and it's a Happy Madison show, but my old boss Tommy used to absolutely Love this show. It's like his favorite show. So talk about it every week. Like he looked forward to it. And I was like, huh, that sounds kind of funny. I'm never going to watch it. But now I'm going to jump in and watch a single episode of it and jump right out. And then never come back. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the ratings for this show are going to be like, pew, through the roof. And then they're yeah. just going to be like, pew, back to the floor. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think the show might do okay, but I don't, I think that this is probably going to bring in way bigger numbers than they're used to like you said um yeah because i definitely want to see it i want to see how they incorporate that and it's it's cool it's a, a cool concept for an episode because it's like you know the kid goes and he sees the movie and then he gets scared by it and obviously i mean hopefully they'll have they'll be able to show some scenes from the movie if they got robert england to come back so we get to see him watching the movie and then maybe enact a couple scenes probably do some iconic they'll probably do like the uh, fake wall scene where it's like the warping wall of him reaching through the bedroom and all that and yeah so they'll probably have like some cool homages and uh i definitely want to check that out when it's on i agree and then so let's let's get through this new segment because we got a good movie to talk about haunting of hill house trailer uh pretty bad hide it it looks like it's a it's a good trailer hiding a show that looks bad yeah in my opinion um it definitely i think that the at least it looks like it has a big budget it doesn't look cheap at all which is a good sign but yeah the actual house looks cool yeah i think that that and it it looks like they have a couple decent actors in there um but i'm just still not very interested in the plot of the show i don't really care to see family drama based around a house that haunts everybody that's in there and their hauntings you know that sounds like american horror story it does sounds just like american (laughs) horror story so fuck that i don't even care yeah hope it's i hope it's good i'll give it a shot but I doubt it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm not excited for uh, it. Speaking of bad things that shouldn't happen, the Child's Play remake, the poster came out, and we got some new casting announcements and stuff. They're still moving forward with this pile of shit. <laughs> They've got Audrey Plaza to sign on and the kid from Lights Out. So it's like 50-50 on good and bad. Uh, and she gets this doll that's basically a killer Alexa. She gets this. She gets her kid a, that doll for his birthday, and she doesn't know that it's reprogrammed to be a killer i heard a rumor that this movie starts with someone working at like foxconn and then they reprogram the doll like it's kind of racist and then they just run up to the roof and jump off and kill themselves okay i heard that rumor that was a rumor to be the beginning of this movie so i don't know man i'm just like so not into this at all like i don't like cult of chucky i think curse of chucky's okay i'm sure the tv show will be fine like let the dude send this franchise careening into the wall that's what child's play needs it needs to just end not be rebooted yeah i think even especially the way they're doing it now where they're 
splitting the fan base where they're going to have a TV show following the Chucky of the straight-to-DVD movies that we've been seeing, and now they're going to have this new Chucky, which they're not at all trying to hide the fact that it's just going to be Chucky. It's identical. Like, <laughs> it's the same fucking doll, dude. But they're taking out the funny serial killer soul. It's just going to be like, I can play Desposito. Yeah, so it's going to be like, Chucky, play Desposito too. I'll order your groceries. I don't know. It sounds really bad to me. I don't I don't really want to watch either. I don't want to watch a TV show. I don't want to watch this movie. Um, but, like... <laughs> We're just checked out of the Child's Play franchise. We're like, nope. Yeah. TV show, don't give a yeah. shit. Uh, new movie, don't care. Third movie in this bad trilogy, couldn't care less. Yeah, either. exactly. It's just, I mean, they're kind of doing us a favor by making sure that nothing will ever get made in this franchise again because they're vastly overestimating the mindshare on Child's Play. Like, there's just, there's not enough interest in this franchise to support this much content. Like, at least <laughs> they're oversaturating themselves so hard that they're going to kill everything Chucky related for at least 10 years. And that is exactly what this franchise needs. It needs nobody to touch it and just come back to it <laughs> yeah. in like. 10 to 15 years the longest they've ever gone without making a child's play movie is nine years well not even nine like eight and a half mm-hmm. and other than that it's like seven is the next highest and then it's two yeah this this franchise has never gone away which is its biggest detriment no one's ever had a chance to miss it or have nostalgia for it and it's kind of like it's kind of like it's like this big van right and the van's on fire <laughs> and it's careening towards a wall but it'll never hit that wall because it'll just burn up before it gets there. Right. You know? It's- like, <laughs> I feel like Don Mancini is the right dude to end this franchise in the worst way possible. And I feel like he deserves to do it. I think he. Because people are giving him money. He should at least be able to bookend this franchise that he started. At, at least let him finish the story he wants to tell. And then when the van burns up and it's a pile of ashes in front of the wall, just wait and then in 10 years dig up the ashes and see what's left yeah i agree so george do you want to get locked in a coffin for 30 hours you know what i would hate that so six flags st louis is celebrating 30 years of screams during fright fest 2018 with the 30 hour coffin challenge i bet joey salads will do it so six coffin dwellers will be chosen to spend 30 hours in a coffin they make it look like a privilege from 1 p.m on saturday october 13th until 7 p.m on sunday october 14th and here's the little press release blurb if i miss if i misread it's because i'm reading it for the first time <laughs> coffin coffin dwellers will be allowed to bring a friend along during fright fest operating hours but they must brave the non-operating hours alone well not exactly alone some of our fright fest freaks will be lurking about in the darkness Anyone who gets out of their coffin for any reason, with the exception of the designated bathroom breaks, will be out of the contest. So, George, yeah. what, what do I win if I sit in this coffin for 30 hours? Okay, so if you deprive yourself of everything that you need and sit in this coffin for 30 hours, here's what you're going to win. $300, two 2019 gold season passes, whatever that is, a fright... <laughs> a Fright Fest prize package, including two VIP haunted house passes, a ticket for two to ride the freak train Dude, for Freaks Unleashed. Stroke. <laughs> I'm having a stroke reading this thing. And you get your own coffin <laughs> that you just got to sit in for 30 hours. What are you going to do with the coffin? <laughs> <laughs> also, 300 bucks is not enough. That is more than a full day to sit in a coffin. Are you kidding me? Like, what the fuck? 
I'm pretty sure I make more than that in the same amount of time at my job. Well, the and this we- sounds harder than my job. I mean, the weird thing is everything else that they're having, the gold season passes, the prize package, including the two VIP haunted houses, and then the ticket for two to ride the tra- Like, that plus 300 bucks has got to be, what, $450 worth of stuff? I mean, yeah. that's not a big enough prize for me to sit in a coffin for 30 hours while people try to scare me out of it. I'm not doing Can you that. Eat? Can you eat? Like, are they going to give me food? I think during the day, like, like say you and I went and I'm in the coffin. You could, like, yeah. throw a hot dog in the coffin for me and I could eat the hot dog. But I guess at night they probably don't feed you. I mean, they're not going to have the freaks go around and pass food into the coffin. There's no way they, that you can't eat for 30 hours. This is so dumb. <laughs> 300 bucks like did they ask the employees to donate money and that's like that's how much they got (laughs) this feels like the spirit airlines flight version of a contest it's really really a strange and like you said what are you gonna do with your coffin i don't want a six over six foot tall thing sitting in my house that i was like yeah you know it's gonna be one of those metal ones that looks like shit and it's all dented Right. Before it even gets to you. It's like, remember when I was laying in that for 30 hours and hated 30 hours of my life continuously? I really like to remember that every time I see this thing. I'll go into debt gladly <laughs> when I need a coffin because I'll be dead. Who cares? I'll, I'll just go to the store and be like, yeah, I'll put it on my credit card. I'll use someone else's credit card. Who gives a fuck? I'm almost dead. Like, Okay, this is this is the stupidest contest. Yeah, I just thought this was a really weird contest, and I thought it was kind of funny to bring up because like the prize is so bad, and the and the actual task that you have to do is so horrific that yeah, I don't understand why anybody would do that. No, it's just terrible. It's just a bad time. You'll just come out of it stinky and upset. <laughs> You'll be agitated for like a whole week. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, guys, that's the new segment. We'll be right back with our review of Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel. Alright guys, we're back from our quick break there, and this week we're talking about Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel, which is a weird movie because we were really excited for it, even though it was announced like three weeks before it was coming out. Stephen Cognetti was like, hey, I made another movie. I'm throwing it up uh, on the internet for everyone to watch in one week. And then he was like, just kidding, I'm not. And then Shudder was like, hey, we bought it. You can watch it this Thursday on a Monday. Uh, So we watched it. What did you think, George? I actually liked it. I thought that, I I think the first Hell House, obviously we both have said that we love it. I think it's a modern staple of the found footage genre it's, and it's one of the best it's ever one of my made. favorite horror movies like it's so good i mean it's one of my go-to recommendations if anybody who's new to horror doesn't really they're looking for some me to recommend something to them hell house llc is on the top of my list every time for recommending them anything yeah. horror related for sure and this is it's not as good as the first one it's not close to as good as the first one but I ended. I did like it. I think it has some good scares in it. There's definitely some very creepy moments. I think that. And if you're all in on the lore of the Hell House universe, it delivers. Yeah. It explains everything that's going on. And even though they don't really stick the landing with explaining it, uh, the stuff they're explaining, like the stuff they came up with for the lore, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it does. I think. Yeah, I like that too. I think they do some cool. Um, I, I liked when they went back to certain places that were in the first movie, like when they go down to the basement where there's the three clowns that sit down there, and they're just like, yeah. Those things are just going to scare you, so don't even look at them. And then they go to the back records room, and they're trying to find stuff. You just see them, like, walking around in the background. Like, it's cool yeah, that they have... there's some good stuff like that. They have callbacks to the first movie that aren't bad, that they kind of expand on it. Like, the hotel definitely feels alive. Like, it never went dormant, you know? Like, it was waiting for all those people to show up that in the first movie, and it hasn't stopped. Like things are still creepy there's definitely still stuff moving around even when there's no one there it definitely feels like a lived in actually haunted hotel and i love that about it yeah i agree and so the plot of this one is that there's this local news broadcast because a guy named mitchell cavanaugh releases a documentary that kind of just explains what happened in the first movie in in the universe of this movie so i guess it's considering the first movie to be a documentary but basically we think he's a survivor of the original event and he made a documentary about it. And uh, a lady named Jessica Fox calls in. And she's kind of like an investigative journalist type lady. And she's like, hey, you got to take me back to this house so we can uncover what happened and make sure the people who caused this problem are held accountable. And he's like, well, they're all dead, but okay. So then he goes to the house with Jessica Fox, her assistant, uh, Molly Reynolds, and this other guy named David Morris, who's her cameraman. And then there's this weird psychic medium dude named brock davies who shows up and one big problem i have with this movie is that the new characters aren't even close to being as likable as the original ones and i think that's because this movie was made in just a few years instead of being like spread out and meticulously thought out like the other ones i think the dialogue isn't as good uh and there's not there's just too much going on to ever get to know any of these characters yeah i think kind of the lightning in the bottle that made the first one work so well was that all the characters felt like they were legitimately friends. Yeah, totally. Like, that they were actually a group of people that were, you know, they were all centered around Alex because he had this idea and they all want to help him out and he's the leader of the group and they all really like him. And it felt like they were legitimately in relationships and friendships and they trusted Alex and thought he was a cool cool dude. So, you, you know, you get that feeling and you understand why they'd all go into Hell House. This... It's not the same thing because you have this journalist and it's like, yeah, you kind of feel like, sure, she might have some kinship with the other two people, her cameraman and her assistant, but they're both pretty flat characters. They don't really do anything. I think they focus a lot on Jessica and Mitchell more so than uh, Molly and David. Uh, Brock Davies has like two or three scenes in the movie and he's... I, I don't know if he's supposed to be like a laughable character because he he's sucks, just, dude. I like, hated his character. It's like comedic relief, but there's, I just think there's too many new characters that are considered main characters. Like he did not have to be involved. And I think the movie would have been better for it. And the news broadcast also feels a little too long. Like it's just, it gets to a point where it feels like it's only in there to pad out the plot because they keep cutting back to it. And I feel like if this movie was re-edited so that the news broadcast happens in its entirety first, and then we get to see the Hell House 
action, like the actual movie, I think it would be a lot better because they act like there's a big reveal that's going to happen in the news broadcast that's like doled out and piecemeal throughout the movie, but it's not a big enough reveal and it's telegraphed from a mile away. So I feel like if they just showed us, the audience, exactly what was going to happen like that and then we knew what was going to happen to these characters and then watched them go into Hell House, I think that would work better with the theme of the movie overall. I think if they did it that way or if they actually split it up throughout the entire movie instead of stopping at like the two-thirds point yeah it that was even kind of jarring because it feels like they're gonna keep cutting back to it like okay we'll get a little bit of plot of them moving forward in the house and we'll see some discussion about you know why that's a bad idea or what's going on in the house what's the the evil forces what does brock davies have to say about it what does andrew tully have to say about it and you don't really get that it just kind of they do that for so long, and then it's like, yep, that's over. And then there's still another whole section where they're in the house, and it kind of bookends with some more lore stuff that doesn't really stick the landing, but is interesting to think about and kind of cool. It's very cool. Like, uh, they bring back um, Danny Bellini to play Alex, and they bring back Adam Schneider to play Andrew. And that's cool because they were kind of bros in the first movie like they you knew you could tell something was going on with alex behind the scenes and i think that worked really well in the first movie that you didn't really find out what was going on because like the subtlety really helped but this movie kind of blows the barn door open and it it doesn't feel like they came up with it for the sequel it feels like that was always the idea and that's what it was leading towards but you just needed the visual confirmation of it so having him and Andrew interacting with each other again was great. I think Danny Bellini is a good actor, and Alex is just a memorable character. So I liked having him back. Yeah, I agree. I think that it was definitely cool to see him come back since he was the crux of the original movie. Like, everything was centered around him as a character, basically. So uh, it was cool to see him come back. And um, they they bring back the the piano part that they play. Yeah. The da, 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 da. They don't. I don't think they use it. They use it sparingly, which is good because, uh, other than the scene in the beginning, which I hated, um, they use it like only one or two times where they're actually in the hotel. Yeah, they try and do this thing where they interject footage of people who there's like the Hell House challenge where they have to break in, and then those are like YouTube videos they use to reveal stuff. I just I think the script needs a lot of work. I think that they throw in a lot of things just to pad it out to be 89 minutes or whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of stuff in here that's just thrown in that I feel like if they really just focused on the plot of revealing what was going on and why Hell House failed and, like, what happened that night, I feel like it would have been a lot better. Or even, um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, what is the origin of Hell House? If they kind of expanded on what happened originally to make it the way it was why is it such a cursed place how did the cult Mm -hmm. pick this place why is it so evil if they would have maybe done that kind of lore building throughout the movie instead of focusing on you know ghosts that you know people who have died in the house that are still kind of trapped there that are keep coming back like uh there's one section of the movie where a girl who died in the movie who died in the original movie is like she hitchhiked to hell house so these guys pick her up and then they take her back to hell house and then they like end up getting sucked into the hotel like chasing after her which is it is a cool moment but i think that they could have done 
either more stuff like that or more lore building. Right, and when things really do take off at the end, I feel like those scenes are directed well, much better than the actual like cutting around in the first movie when people are just screaming and running around and you don't really know what's going on. That got a little frantic, I think. But in this movie, the sequence of uh, the cameraman being chased through the house, it, it has an awesome moment. Like, seriously. They bring... This is a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it and you haven't watched it yet, uh, go use promo code Jimmy and get a free month of Shudder and then come back. Three, two, one, spoiling it. So the girl who's chained up in the basement of Hell House LLC, she comes back for like one second. The cameraman's running through the house and he sees her on the ground and she's on the phone. And she's like, no, no, mama, I can't leave. I'm already dead. And then, so he runs past her, then turns around and it, she's all zombified and she comes at him. And that part freaked me out. Yeah, there's definitely some really cool scares in this movie, and I think that, I don't know if the scares ever reach, like, I don't know if there's any one scene that was as scary as the first Hell House, but I think that it is definitely a scary movie and has some really good parts to it that I keep thinking about, you know, after seeing it a couple days ago and still think, like, well, that was cool. Yeah, I completely agree there. I, I'm just, I'm all in on this universe, so I have a really biased opinion here. I think it's worth watching, and uh, Stephen Cognetti told me on Twitter that he actually plans on making a third one, which makes a lot of sense, because this really does feel like setup for a third movie. Yeah. It, it feels like the middle movie, and if he can take a little more time and really finesse a good script out of a third movie and continue to bring back characters from the first one and deliver on the idea that's introduced at the end of this one, I think he can do it. I, I think this is the weak is this is much weaker than the first one, but I feel like it can be saved by a really solid third movie. I agree. I think that he is definitely capable of telling a good story and incorporating good scares. He's obviously a good director, and I think if and writer and writer and I think he, if they he can, wrote the first one, yeah, and this one. Uh, so I think if he can kind of flesh out the last and you know the conclusion to the story and make it just like a trilogy and kind of tell the entire story and, you know, give us a full picture of what's going on with the Abaddon, I think it could be done extremely well. And I think, obviously, he's the one to do it because he's done the first two. And I think he can stick the landing. He just might need to uh, focus on the script a little bit longer than he did for this one. Yeah, the the enduring success of this franchise, though, is just mind-blowing to me. Like, this is totally a thing that grew because of word by mouth. And then it ended up being a Shutter exclusive. That's a pretty cool story. It is definitely really cool that he got, I mean, what you bought the um, director's cut of the first one. Yeah. And it's like a bootleg DVD case. Like, you can tell that it's a very homegrown operation. That Mine he- came all fucked up. Like, there's <laughs> holes in it and shit. <laughs> like- I mean, but, I mean, that's kind of endearing in a way. Because it's like, you can tell yeah. that he's doing it all, you know, in a very low budget you know pull him up by the bootstraps he made a good movie and he's trying to really sell it and that's a it's cool especially since a big company like shutter bought the distribution rights for the second one and put it out like that and it's getting tons of eyes on it now and the first one's on shutter too so it's like maybe this is going to be a you know a second renaissance for this movie and it's just uh i'm really happy that it's getting this kind of huge push it's just it's awesome because if you watch the first movie the people who get the top billing in the credits are his family members like the executive producers and all that are people in his family you can tell that he spent a long time working on the first one and growing it out this big is probably just it's crazy it's probably crazy for him he's right. probably like damn like i didn't expect this <laughs> i mean i 
I think the first one was better. I think this one needed a little more time in the oven to finesse the story a little bit and iron it out, but I don't feel like irreparable damage was done to the series. I feel like the skeleton of the story he's trying to tell is solid, just the execution needs work. And hopefully he does another director's cut of this one where he just goes in, goes out and films multiple new se- new scenes that weren't cut from the movie, but he just decided would be better if they were in the movie because that's exactly what he did with the last one, and I think it really helped. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a cool way to do it, and I don't know. This guy reminds me of my dad, where like he just <laughs> does what he wants. You know, he's right. like, you know what? I thought of some scene- scenes that would fix the story a little bit in Hell House LLC, and then he just goes and films them, right. and then puts them in the movie. It's like. Who does that? It's awesome. It's like it's endearing. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's what you said. It's definitely really endearing. It it is, and it's a cool, you know, it's a cool little uh, operation, and I'm I'm happy to see. I I agree, it's not as good as the first one, but I think it's definitely worth watching, especially if you have a Shutter subscription. There's no reason not to watch it. Um, And I use promo code Jimmy and (laughs) Shutter. And I I had a good time with it. I ended up liking it. So, I yeah, it's not like Curse of Cookie. Curse of Chucky. <laughs> Curse of Chucky to Cult of Chucky, where it went from mediocre to terrible. It's like it went from my favorite horror movie of all time to like a pretty good sequel that can totally be saved by a really good third movie. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, I'd say just go see it. I think it's it's worth a watch with, without question. It's crazy that we're well, George. We're like basically a whole year out from our first episode. And by total happenstance, we've talked about Hell House and Rotten Manor. Yeah, which was our which is crazy. Our first episode, if only. Well, well, we also talked about Leatherface the first episode. Yeah, was that the first movie we reviewed? What a mess! <laughs> I think so. I think it was that, or it might have even been that. And uh, no, yeah, that was it. I think that was it. It's like. It's really cool that, so when we launched our first episode a year ago, we had a big, big first episode because Rotten Manor really helped us out and made every one of their employees post it on their Facebook page, (laughs) (laughs) which was really kind and awesome. But it was like a big spike in our first episode. And then after that, it went down and we had to build our way back up. But now we're at the point where we're getting more downloads every week, more listeners every week than we had at that first episode, which feels awesome it's just it's it's a really cool feeling that this thing that we just built from nothing is uh growing so much it's it's cool yeah like we've had an email every week for the past month and, and which we is awesome and it's cool that we actually have dedicated fans that you know tweet about the show every week and post reviews and talk about it it's it's definitely a good feeling to know that we put work into this and it's appreciated yeah like it's just a we, we started it because we talk about horror movies when we text each other like all the time but it was like a a way to force us to sit down for over an hour every week and hang out with each other because i live in la and george lives in michigan so it's like it's hard to find time especially with the time difference but having this is just our way of hanging out right which is awesome (laughs) so i hope that it continues to grow and we can keep doing it for years to come i agree and uh if I if anybody's going to Telluride or the Salem Horror Festival, we're both going to be there. Uh, oh the yeah, first, dude! Telluride's going to be crazy. Yeah, first two weekends of October, we're going to be 
traveling quite a bit, but it's going to be a, a ton of fun. So if you're there, definitely come find us and say hi. Oh, hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be it for 46, the 46th episode of Fear Frequency. Uh, I don't have anything else to say other than what I just said. So, George, you want to bring us home? Yeah, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews. And you never know who might be listening. Yeah.